Welcome back to Users First. I'm your host, Alessio Ferragudi, UX designer and podcast host. Today, I'm joined by Peter Lovin, founder of UserActive, a design agency that makes interfaces for SaaS products. Our topic today focuses on understanding the user experience role in SaaS products. And before we dive into the episode, I wanted to remind you to support my podcast in becoming self-sustainable um, <clears throat> so I can make more content like this and help you build your dreams career. You can join our free Discord community and you can buy me also a cup of coffee. And if you're new to this and need guidance, I also do offer mentorships. The Discord community is fairly new. I'm sending out a personalized letter with a podcast sticker to the first 50 people who actually joined the Discord community. And we'll be posting UX quizzes and challenges so you can learn UX, career tips, and much more. There will even be a, a post quiz after this podcast on what we learned uh, from speaking to Peter. This show couldn't run without you, listeners. So I want you to know that I'm very appreciative of all of your help and the most active members will be given a shout out in my episodes and in the website. You can access all of this from usersfirstpodcast.com. Before we jump in to the episode, a little bit about Peter and his company. He makes products in tech by applying critical thinking, creative talent, and product strategy to solve real business challenges. And today he's coming to the podcast to talk about what SaaS products are and what the role of product designers are in SaaS. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Thank you very much for having me. Excited to be here. Honored that you're here uh, very much. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of what SaaS software is for the listeners that don't know, because a lot of them are are beginners and they have no idea whatsoever what SaaS is. Yeah. So SaaS stands for Software as a Service. Um, And it comes from a movement that happened in the 90s um salesforce were the company to um coin this term okay software as a service traditionally software was um you know created and it was very expensive to create uh it was for big organizations um and the way it was installed was what we refer to now as on-premise software so Uh, Consultants would go into a a big corporate company, they'd help install the software on local servers or machines, you know, these companies would be hosting the service themselves on their machines on their network, and the software would operate that way. It was more expensive to set up, it was more expensive to run. Um, And what happened is that with, with Salesforce, they basically you know, got uh, the software model and put it into the cloud. And the fact that the software now uh, lived on the cloud meant that it, it, it got rid of the need to have software installed and, you know, set up uh, for companies on, in their network. They could just access it by logging into the browser, right? So the model changed slightly where companies started to pay monthly for their software. So they'd have subscriptions where they pay a monthly fee. And so this is how, like with the model changing, uh, this is how the term kind of started to change to software as a service. So that's really what it is. It's software that lives in the cloud. You access it from the browser. You don't have to have a big installation in your your company, on your network of computers. Uh, Typically you pay monthly or yearly. And um, 
SaaS can be, you know, you know big software products. Uh, some CRMs are really big, um, but it can also be um, very simple web applications that have a micro, uh, like a micro SaaS that has a, a kind of very uh, sim simple functionality, something like Calendly, for example, just scheduling through calendar calendars. So that's what SaaS is. Uh, and now it's, it's huge. There's, you know, just thousands of hundreds of thousands of SaaS companies and it's a, still a growing industry now. Oh yeah. It's one of the growest, the growest fastest industries right now at the moment. The company yeah. that I work for at the moment is a cloud data warehouse and it has all types of SaaS products. And we're just, we're just going to the moon, basically. The, 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 the company is growing so fast. Basically, what wow. Peter said is that um, before in the past, um, having these SaaS type of products, uh, you know, it would, cost, it would cost a lot of money uh, to be able to access. But nowadays, with the, with the networks and with the technology that we have, we have the opportunity to have access to these dashboards uh, from the actual network, from, from the web. And that's what Peter does. He designs. He helped design SaaS products. What are what are Peter some of the most uh, like usability usability and design issues that you found in in uh, in SaaS? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, there's so many skills that go into creating software. Uh, you know, business strategy. Uh, you're solving a problem, um, so you have. Uh, a big development team you have designers then you have this you know sales and marketing so it's a big operation building a software and i often work with fairly early to middle stage uh software companies um they may have anywhere from a team of five people up to 50 people something like that those are the typical kind of size of companies that i'm working with and um for those companies quite often they've built software with uh, a team of developers maybe they're quite technical in the way they think and create products and quite often they haven't had from the beginning um a, a product designer or, or a talented product design team working with them so they've built something which works and it's functional it's very good but sometimes you see some some issues just because they haven't come at it from a kind of UX or a skilled designer uh, point of view. So some typical issues uh, that, that I see are um, perhaps things aren't, you know, have been built, but they're not completely intuitive, easy to use. So sometimes the navigation can be uh, a little confusing. Sometimes um, it's difficult to find features. It's difficult to, to do simple tasks. Um, for something like a CRM, you're always adding contacts, adding opportunities, uh, you're moving opportunities through a pipeline, you might also be like reaching out to uh, customers managing your mailing list. Um, so there are many different tasks that you can do and so typical usability issues might be um, you know, when it's difficult to put, do one of these tasks, it's difficult to find out how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you as a designer, um, okay, so perfect. I, I understand uh, there is a lot of problems with the, with the functions because, <clears throat> because, uh, because these, these products are, are mainly uh, made by, by people that have no usability, um, no usability backgrounds uh, like, like developers. 
So they make mm. great functions, but they're, they're missing out on the information architecture, on the simple task structure. Uh, you as a designer, yeah. Peter, how do you go about solving that? Like, how do you, how do you, you know, you identify this issue. Now, how do you go about it? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because there's a process. Usually when I'm working with a client, they know the issues in their product. They already have a good idea of the issues in their product, right? Um, but I, I will have to take a period of time. Like any, any designer who's new to a product has to take a period of time to learn, get to know the product. So the first thing that's really great to do is uh, this kind of discovery process speaking with the, the the company speaking with the founders or or whoever it is that's the the, the kind of lead person f- for the project um they can teach you a lot about the software but then actually getting in and using the software and getting into the mindset of the people that are the, the, the that software is intended for you know so you have to get to know the users get to know what their day-to-day role is how they use the product uh, what they're trying to do um and that's a good starting point. So for me, it's it's the best starting point is learning the product. Sometimes that can take a while because some of these products can be a little technical. Um, and then from there, um, I usually like break down um, the tasks that need to be done. So in a product, there might be lots of different things that need improving. Um, and it's a case of taking each of these elements and, and, and breaking them down into kind of manageable design tasks and then prioritizing them. So prioritization is really important. You know, where do you start? And the way I do that is often by um, picking out the things that are going to have the biggest impact, but they don't take, you know, you know days or weeks of, of effort. So starting on the, the the quick wins the things that you can make a big impact with with in just a short amount of time um there's also things that are a bit high priority so if there's something that's actually a real problem like it's causing customers to stop using the software you know users are cancelling for instance then or that might be one of the first things you you try to address um there's also issues where uh the product's not selling itself very well you know maybe there are something like a free trial um and that free trial is not showing users enough value it's not delivering enough value um so we'd look at that so so the first thing is kind of prioritization getting to know the product seeing what the the biggest issues are um and then to apply ux strategies there's, there's a lot of ux uh things you can do um so one of them is uh, user interviews. This is a great one. Interviewing users, asking them all about their day-to-day use of the software. What, 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 what's their ideal outcome? Like, what do they need to get out of the software uh, when they're using it? Finding out if the software is delivering that value to them. Uh, finding out if there are any issues or any problems. Um, and then finding out how they use it. So those are great things to identify in an, in an interview. Um, another strategy you can do is uh, session recordings. Um, so observing users, you're not necessarily interviewing them, but you're just observing how they behave. So there are a couple like of ways you can... Like just observing their behaviors, their facial expressions, uh, where they're clicking. 
Exactly. So there's a couple of ways you can do this. There are some tools that, um, like Hotjar, for instance, that actually record users' sessions. And then you you can log in uh, to Hotjar and you'll have a bunch of recordings um, that are actual users' activity, you know, from when they logged in and they were, were doing some work. Another way to do it is to actually get users on a Zoom call and share screen and, and you know, set them some tasks, some, some everyday tasks that they normally perform in the software and observe them doing it. So it's a bit like an interview, but you're not really asking questions. You're just recording and uh, setting them tasks, recording, seeing how, how they do it. And it's interesting to watch them because sometimes you'll see they might get stuck in a certain place or uh, they might, you know, struggle to figure out how to do something. And those are always interesting because that, you know, then you see the issues firsthand and you say, huh, I can understand the context because I know what they're trying to do and I can see how they're thinking about it but also where, where they're going wrong. So um, rather than teaching them how to use a, a difficult product, we then, you know, redesign those elements of the product to make it intuitive and easy, easy for them flat flow. So those are, those are a few UX methods. Um, oh, that's excellent. Those are the ones, yeah. They're, <laughs> that's excellent. Ones where you're collecting data and then there's a whole lot, a whole lot more, but uh, maybe, maybe we're going to kind of move into those as we talk, talk through UX a bit more. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Just wanted to uh, wrap up, uh, you know, like the amazing golden nuggets that Peter just gave out there uh, for SaaS software, which I think they're uh, some of the key points that every designer should know. Uh, diving into any kind of product whatsoever, but especially SaaS software. So get to know the tools that you're working with. Uh, prioritize the biggest issues that you should be working on, and be able to um, identify those big issues through usability testings, recording sessions with users, uh, and, rec and recording their activity. So observe them, look at the users, what they're doing, what their problems are, and where you can identify product opportunities. Yeah, and, and, and interviews too. If you get the chance to speak with users and interview them, asking them questions about their typical usage, right? Uh, how, about, how about iterations, um, Peter? How, how, do they, how do they work, right? They say that, uh, you know, you probably heard this quote a, a lot of times. Now, I don't even remember who, who said it. Probably Steve Jobs. Like, fail, <laughs> you know, like failing many times. You have to fail like a thousand times in order to succeed, right? So uh, when you, once you launch a product or you make a prototype, what's, what's the iteration process on that? Yeah, that's interesting. So... <laughs> If we're talking about a software that's that's already existing, we start working on that. Once we've gathered, gathered some information from these interviews, from some, some uh, usability testing, from things like that, we've got a good idea of the changes we want to make. So the place we usually start is with wireframing. Um, so, I mean, for, for people listening, they're probably familiar. I think a lot of designers listen to your podcast, so they're familiar, probably familiar with wireframing. Um, and the way the way I would uh, approach this is I usually use Figma for, for nearly everything. Um, but there's a, a really great wireframing tool called Whimsical. And Whimsical can be a very rapid, fast way to easily uh, put together wireframes because it has um, pre-constructed uh, uh, elements. You know, so you can just drag and, and drop with your with all the elements uh, and, and create 
what we call lo-fi wireframes, low fidelity. So in, in the first instance, these wireframes not, may not have massive amount of detail. They might be top level thinking, they're showing how we're gonna address the problem, how, how, we, how we're gonna solve that problem. Um, that's where we'd start. And usually I will talk with the client through this. Um, someone who's responsible for managing the, the, the software. It could be the software founder, it could be a product manager. Uh, and we also wanna get some users feedback. Um, so if we're working with users in a focus group or we've interviewed users, I'll usually go back to them with, with the first uh, kind of drafts of our wireframes and say, uh, hey, what do you think about these? Do they fix the issues that we discussed? Do you think this will solve the issues? Once we get some feedback and thoughts on that, we, we then iterate on this wireframe. We'll add more detail in. We'll add uh, like all of the specific things that might happen there, icons, interactions, um, responses, drop downs, hover states, things like this to show like all the detailed interaction. Sometimes you can go right through to creating an interactive prototype. So you want to get some interaction into your wireframe. And that's a really great um, thing because you can then give that to the users and actually let them click around and navigate with it. And, and uh, you know, th this is good for like detailed interactions that, that can be a little complex. Um, so a good example of this is, um, say you're creating, say you're working on a soft, uh, CRM software and you're creating uh, an automation sequence. So you might want to create a sequence of five emails uh, that, that, that you send to your mailing list in sequence. Mm -hmm. And when you create this, there's a lot of things you need to do. You need to create the emails. You need to um, add step-by-step, step, you know, what happens after the email. Is there a period of time that they wait between each email? Right. You, know? you, you, you have to have those interactions dynamic. It can't just be like a, like a, like a wireframe mm -hmm. mockup that doesn't move. You need to be able to give the user a feeling of, of what is going on. Yeah, it really helps. So you, some, you can design these in a static way, but you'd have to design each screen and then show each step by step. So you'll have lots of screens showing this journey, right? But um, the, ne the next uh, step you can do is to just yeah, make it completely interactive so that they can get a sense of the experience. So you, you said that this tool, uh, what, what's the name of the tool again? Um, so whimsical is what what I use for whimsical. like low fidelity wireframing, and then if I'm building a uh, an interactive prototype, I would do that within Figma. Whimsical. All right, big big shout out to Whimsical uh, for for the yeah. wireframes, and shout out to Figma as well for uh, for prototyping actually like building the interactions and going more into more going more into detail. Um, <clears throat> Peter, uh, I was wondering what um, you know for the people that listen to all of this and now they they started to comprehend you know how to how to iterate on a SaaS product and how to get user feedback and uh, identifying the, the the biggest product opportunities in in a SaaS product um what do you think what do you what do you think determines a successful um SaaS product to you like what makes you what makes you 100% happy and satisfied that you say you know this product we just launched right now works yeah um that's a good question there's a lot of different factors so 
For software companies, obviously they are looking to solve a problem in the market. Uh, they want to build a sustainable business that grows. Uh, what they love about the software model, the SaaS model, I should say, is it's a subscription-based model. So um, ideally, they would have monthly recurring revenue. And this means they've got customers that stay with them for a long time. And as they grow their business, um, the revenues are increasing and uh, they're having loyal customers that stay with them. So that's why uh, SaaS is a very scalable business model. So for, for, for a company, um, obviously that, you know, if they can demonstrate demand for their product and scalable growth, that, that is a determiner of success for them. Um, now, in order to do that, you, you do need to have a good product that solves a, a real problem. And you have to market that product really well. So there's a lot of things that they need to do. The marketing must be really great. The product must be uh, sticky. It must solve a good problem. Um, and by sticky, I mean that, that what, when users sign up for it, they keep using it. You know, they have a need for this product. Um, and that there's great customer support. Quite often, software companies will build a community around their product. They might have training, webinars, uh, events, even if they grow very big. So um, those are a lot of factors that determine a successful SaaS company. But for me, with focusing on the product, um, it's really the, the, the users, right? Are, are they getting value? What would, and a good way to think about this is like, what would they do if they couldn't use this product? Would it be difficult for them to solve the problem that they have if they didn't have this software? Like, would they struggle? Uh, and it's a nice way to think about it because if you're delivering software that's uh, easy to use, has a really critical task that, that, that needs to be done, that is valued by the users and they enjoy using it, um, and they would have difficulty without that product, then, then I think that would, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd consider that a really successful uh, software product. Yeah, 100% makes absolutely sense. So having, having a very usable and enjoyable product, he should be your focus as a product designer, but also the things around it. Um, how can we increase revenue? How can we make uh, a successful marketing plan, right? So also um, the role of a product designer is being knowledgeable about what's, what other departments or what other uh, things are surrounding him. So what Peter said, uh, it's not just about product design, it's about everything. And you should be advocating usability, but you should also be advocating the rest of the business. Um, <clears throat> Peter, what, what kind of mistakes um, have you made in your career uh, or as a designer that really taught you like a very good lesson and, and help you become a designer. I've definitely made a ton. Yeah. yeah, there's so many. I mean, you're always learning. So whenever you're learning, um, and, and especially when you have a steep learning curve, there's always mistakes. Um, but for me, uh, I think what, one of the things with product design is almost making assumptions has been one that I've noticed a lot. Whenever I think, uh, uh, say, I, say I'm working on a new product, I make a few assumptions. I think, oh, okay, I've seen products like this before. It works like this, this, and this. I think I understand it. 
and I might jump in too quickly to start designing. Um, so, and I might overlook a few things that are really important, right? So I've noticed that happening before. So I think assumptions are, are a very common mistake. And for a good designer is usually an inquisitive, curious person. They, they like learning, they like solving problems. So um, it's good to keep that, that frame of mind. Um, whereas it, you know, if you, if you, if you make assumptions, you often, um, come in with a wrong point of view and i've done that before where i speak with the founder of a software and they'll explain something that i thought i knew and they'll say no no actually our users you know need to do something this way or they they, they use this fe feature like that um and they explain how and i'm always like okay right i didn't quite understand that in the beginning so I would say, um, yeah, how, I would say. How do you, how do you um, <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you this quick question and then we're going to uh, wrap up the episode. Um, how do you prevent assumptions from happening? Clients are yeah, gonna be having question. assumptions. Um, Coworkers yeah. are gonna be making assumptions. Use a product designer that you're a critical thinker, you're a problem solver, and you make beautiful, stunning interfaces, which is what you do at User Active. Uh, how do you prevent that from happening? Yeah, I think with with a lot of mistakes I've made, the thing that makes the difference is having a process. So um, if you're a designer working with clients, what I'd recommend is to develop your own process, um, a good product design process and, and, and use it repeatedly every time you work with a new, on a new project or a new client. Or, um, and part of that process is has a good discovery uh process right you you have discovery sessions where you're learning about the product you uh ask questions you make sure you can learn as much as you can before you get through into designing um and then the other thing that i think can really help is something i mentioned earlier at the beginning of our conversation is to become a user of that software get to know it, like really genuinely get to know it and, and try to think from the perspective of the users of this software, you know, who they are, what they do, what they're trying to achieve. Um, and, I, and I think that really helps. So process, um, becoming a user of the product and, and thinking from the, in, you, know, you know, almost like walking around in the shoes of the, of the user so you get to know them, you know. Brilliant. I, I love it. I love it. That's true advocating for UX design. Uh, in su in <laughs> yeah. summary, Peter, uh, listeners who want to work in SaaS software, new designers who want to work in SaaS, they should uh, learn the product like if they were the users. Get to know the user itself. So record the user activity, uh, get, get to speak with them, uh, engage in communities online for SaaS software, uh, whatever ways you can find to get into the user shoes and have a process to prevent assumptions from happening, whether they're happening with, uh, with colleagues or with clients, have a process that you can reuse in new projects and for new clients. Uh, that's some really solid advice, Peter. Uh, is there anything else that you think we've missed that you'd like to add? I would touch on one point that you actually mentioned a little while ago, which is about um, a product designer uh, being, re being really talented in design and, and knowing how to design interactions in, within software. But um, 
something that that I think is a really valuable added skill is knowing the bigger context of a business. So understanding, you know, not just their design role, but understanding the bigger picture of of what's happening in the business, you know, where they're going, what's the vision, how they market the product. And and if you understand the big picture, it really helps with design too. So I think that's a real skill that product designers uh, can benefit from having. Oh, thank you, Peter. That was that was amazing, man. Uh, look, if if listeners wanted to get in touch with you or <clears throat> uh, find you on social media or you know go check out UserActive, where where would be the best place to uh, to follow up from here? Yeah, so um, our website is useractive.io. So that's useractive.io. Um, we have uh, a YouTube channel. I talk about product design on there. So it's useractive on YouTube. That's our that's our channel. I, I, I regularly record videos about software and usability. Um, and yeah, you can add me on LinkedIn, uh, Peter Loving on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, those are, those are the, I'd say that those are the main places to to check us out. Beautiful. So you heard that. Make sure to check the content creation that Peter is doing a user active. Check his profile. I know he he's very he's a very active member of uh, of this uh, software community. So make sure to listen to some of his previous talks at other events. And before we close the episode, I just want to give you another reminder reminder to support me in the big mission of helping UX designers building a successful career build their confidence up, scale their network, and learn new methods. You can support me by joining, again, my free Discord community, or you can even buy me a cup of coffee, or join our Patreon uh, channel. You can access all of these from UsersFirstPodcast.com. Uh, we're also giving giveaways. Again, this month, we're giving two types of giveaways. We're giving a giveaway for people uh, that are joining the Discord channel. So the first 50 members will get a, will get a letter uh, written by hand by me and a user-first sticker. So make sure to subscribe to the Discord channel, engage with the quizzes, and get on top of the leaderboard. Uh, the more you're on top of the leaderboard, the more gifts you get. And the first 20 people to write an Apple Podcast review they will also get a special gift. Now, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say what gift it is, but it is going to be a very, very enjoyable gift. Thanks again for listening to Users First. Never miss an episode with us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on every possible streaming platform in the world. Thank you so much, Peter. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Alessio. Thanks for having me on. Uh, love what you're doing with Users First. I love the fact that you're advocating for UX uh, designers and their career. So keep up the great work. And uh, you got a big fan of your podcast uh, in me. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Peter. Honor to do that. <laughs>